What's that? It's a fence. What are those? Fences. What is it about fences? We all know what fences are, right? We, we, how many of you have a fence? A lot of people have fences. They come in all shapes and sizes, and they come in different colors and, and different styles. Some are short. Some are tall. Some are made of wood. Some are made of metal, chain link. Uh, some are mighty walls of, around a fortress, you know, three feet thick. Fences are everywhere. We all know them. We all see them. We all are familiar with fences. And, and no matter what they look like, in every case, what are fences designed to do? One of two things. Fences either keep something out or keep something in. So it either keeps the dog in the backyard so it doesn't run away. And you drive all over town screaming out the dog's name, waiting for it to jump in the car. How many of you have ever done that? Oh, we had wiener dogs. And they were always like... Any squirrel they saw, they were out the door as fast as possible. We didn't have a yard in our a fence in our yard in Minnesota, and there's a lot of Minnesota that those dogs discovered um, when they would run out of the house. So, um, so it's either to keep the dog in the backyard, or keep the kids in the backyard, or to keep the bad people out of your yard, right? But the, those are basically the two purposes of a fence: is to keep something in, or keep someone out. So. Uh, when I was growing up, we had a fence in our house in Crown Point. It was a red wooden fence, and uh, we uh, it, it, it went around pretty much the, the most of the perimeter of our backyard. Uh, now, the front yard uh, was something that we, we really put a lot of effort into, and, and people put a lot of effort into their front yards, right? Uh, you, you mow the grass a little more often, maybe a little... Little try and keep it a little neater, a little nicer. Make sure your grass in the front looks good. Uh, you put flowers. You plant flowers in the front yard. We had shrubs and evergreens. We had holly bush. Let me tell you what: when you brush by a holly bush when you're mowing the front yard, that hurts. It does not feel good. They're sticky, very sticky. Anyway, uh, we had this beautiful front yard, uh, manicured lawn, trees. We would trim up the evergreens and make them look real nice and everything. And then. Then there was the backyard, and in the backyard there were swing sets, rusted out swing sets. There was bikes everywhere, four kids, four bikes, they're all over the backyard. Um, there were uh, the grass, not, not mowed as often or as well, you know, because it's just the backyard. It's surrounded by a fence, and our fence was pretty tall, so you really couldn't see into the backyard. And then I went away to college, and my sister went away to college, and my parents got a dog, and the dog's name was Princess. And Princess left little gifts all over the backyard, you know, and it's stuff that you don't want people to see, let alone walk through, right? It's the backyard, not as important to keep it as nice as the front yard, because the front yard is what everybody sees. So we put up a fence around the backyard to keep people out of our backyards, to keep them out of the place where we have our grill and maybe a picnic table and our swing set and all those things. We keep them out of the backyard because, well, the front yard is a place that you, it's kind of like for show, but the backyard is where you hang out. The backyard is where you grill and you eat and you, you have parties and things like that. You set up a fire pit and you gather around and roast marshmallows. Doesn't that sound nice? Doesn't that sound warm? It sounds warm, doesn't it? Yes, it does. The front yard is more for decoration. The backyard is more for living. 
Now, we're going to continue our series today, I Love My Church. And we're talking about uh, how God wants us to love the church. It's, it's God's plan that we would live connected lives, that our lives would be connected with one another, that we would connect with God, and that we, we, we would connect with each other. God wants us to love the church. And when I say love the church, I'm not necessarily talking about the building or the pews or the programs or the services. He wants us to love each other. That's what we talked about last week. Uh, he wants us to know true community, what it's like to be a true community of believers, a true family of believers. So what do fences, why all this talk about fences? What do they have to do with that? What do fences have to do with true community? That's what we're going to talk about today. I want you to look at uh, some verses of Scripture with me. They're going to be up on the screen. You can look them up if you like. These are from the New American Standard Bible, from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. From the New American Standard Bible, and like I said, it's up here on the screen for you if you want to follow along. And the author of Hebrews says, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a, uh, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So, Let's go back to fences for just a second. Picture your life as a yard. Your life is a yard. You've got a front yard and you've got a backyard. Everybody's got a yard. And we like fences, don't we? I mean, we love a good fence. This is not necessarily the best fence, but this is the best fence that I could come up with, that my buddy put together for me, because I am not handy. I am not. So I could not build a fence, but my best friend built me a fence. And uh, so we love fences, though. We love to to delineate our lives. And, and so we have our front yard, we have our backyard. Uh, the front yard is, is beautiful. It's, it's the grass is neatly manicured. The, the shrubs and the bushes are, are nicely uh, uh, trimmed with the uh, hedge trimmers, the electric hedge trimmers. And you know what I'm talking about. Uh, so the front yard is, is what we show other people. It's what we show the world. It's, it's, the, it's the nice haircut. It's the dapper clothing. It's, it's the new boots. You like my new boots? Yeah, I love these things. They're awesome. They're not very comfortable, but man, they look good. Right? This is the front yard. The boots are in the front yard. So this is what we show people. But the backyard? Well, the backyard's a different story. Front yard, you know, you've got the trees all trimmed up. You've got the grass cut nice and short. You've got a welcome mat on the, on the front porch, right, for decoration only. Don't even come near here. It may say welcome on it, but I don't mean it. Don't come in my house. Right? Well, the backyard is different. The backyard is private. The, the backyard is the real, that's the real me. It is by invitation only. There's no welcome mat for the backyard. There's no welcome mat on the driveway leading to the backyard. There's no welcome mat there. No, instead, what do we do? We build a fence. And we hide behind the fence because we don't want people to see the real me. I don't want people to see 
the backyard. So we put up a fence. Why do we do this? You see, we put up the fence because we know that our lives are not pristine like that front yard. We know that our lives are messy. We know that there are dog piles in the backyard. So we put up a fence. The backyard is private. The backyard is me. Everything in the front yard is perfectly presented. But that's not us. I mean, that's not really us, right? That's not us. The backyard, what's behind this fence, that's where the true us really resides. This is where we really live. This is where we let our hair down. This is the opposite, the antithesis of I'm fine. See, out here in the front yard, in front of the fence, how you doing? Fine. How you doing? Excellent. That's mine. That's, that's my excellent. That's, how you doing, Sean? Excellent. You know what? Today, I'm not excellent. I may have told you that I'm fine. I may have told you that I'm excellent, but my water heater's going out. I'm not excellent today. But what do I do? I'm in the front yard, baby. I'm going to tell you that everything's fine. I'm going to put on the show. Whereas back here, I'm kicking the water heater. Not very hard because I'm afraid I'm going to hurt it more. But, uh, <laughs> but behind the fence, that's where Sean really lives. And you know what? You know what the deal is about fences? God's not a very big fan of them. God's not a big fan of fences. Now, I'm not saying he's not a fan of like the literal fence around your house. I'm not telling you to go home and like literally tear down your literal fence around your literal house. That would be bad. Well, minister said, pull down, tear down the fence. Mr. Garcia, tear down this fence. No. No, what I mean is that God wants us to rethink our fences. As far as our relationship is, uh, goes with him and our relationship with one another, God wants us to tear down our fences. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about how Jesus crashed the fence and how we can crash the fences in our lives. If we want to love the church as God has intended for us to love the church, if we're going to love the church as God wants us to love the church, then we have to know some things. And the first thing we have to know is that we have to know that Jesus has crashed the fence. That's the first blank on your outline. If you've got a bulletin, you can turn to page three to the handy-dandy outline and fill in some of the blanks. And the first one is to know that Jesus has crashed the fence. Know that Jesus crashed the fence. Now, before we talk about the fences that we have between people, we need to talk about the fence that is between us and God. Because there is a fence between God and us. There is a barrier that exists between Him and us. So, let's look at Hebrews 10, 19-22 again. That will be up on the screen. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and since we have a great, high pri a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now, Jesus, when he died on the cross for our sins, made it possible for us to have a loving relationship with God. He made it possible to come back to God. In the Old Testament temple, there was a place that only one person could go and only once a year. And that was the high priest. It was called the Holy of Holies. 
the most holy place. It's where the Spirit of God dwelled. And only the high priest could go in there once a year after he had made atonement for his sins. And he had to have all his sins forgiven because if you had any sin, you couldn't be in God's presence unless you dropped dead. In fact, they would tie a cord around his foot so that if he went in there and went whomp, all right, pull old Eli out. Seriously. Because you couldn't enter into God's presence with any sin at all. And so when the, the high priest went in to make atonement for the sins of the people, uh, he had to have his sins forgiven so that the people's sins could be forgiven. And separating the temple from the most holy place, from the Holy of Holies, was a huge curtain, a, a thick veil. And this veil kept people out. It was kind of like a fence between the people and God, because not everybody could go into God's presence. It was off limits to just about everybody. So when Jesus died on the cross, we read in the story uh, of Jesus' death that when he died and he breathed his last and said, it is finished, and he gave up his spirit, the Bible says that the temple veil, that curtain, that fence was literally torn in two from top to bottom. In other words, somebody didn't sneak into the temple and start tearing it at the bottom and ripped it up that way. No, it was God who tore the veil in two. It was God who ripped it from top to bottom and said that now, because my son has taken on the sins of the world, because my son has died to forgive the sins of the world, now a loving relationship is possible between God and people. We can be reconciled to God by his grace through faith in his son Jesus. But this fence that existed between God and man and God and people, Jesus crashed the fence. He tore down the fence. There's no more fence. You know, we are born building fences. We are born with fences in our lives. The Bible says we have a sinful nature. In Romans 3.23, it says that everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone is a sinner. It doesn't matter uh, male or female, red and yellow, black or white. Everybody is a sinner in God's eyes. We're all sinners and we're all separated from God. And we deserve death. According to Romans 6.23, it says the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Our sin is is the very first fence that we have in our lives. Our sin is our first fence. It keeps us from true community with God. And Jesus crashed the fence when he died for our sins on the cross. And when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he crashes that fence between you and God. That when you believe in Jesus and repent from your sins, confess your faith and are baptized, the Holy Spirit, you are forgiven from your sins and the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. The Holy Spirit doesn't dwell in a building anymore. This isn't uh, the place where God's Spirit dwells. It's in us, his people, in our hearts. That is where the Spirit of God dwells. And that was made possible because Jesus crashed the fence tore it down, and made it possible to have this loving relationship with God, to have true community with God. So Jesus crashed the fence. Yet, yet, we still spend so much time behind fences. We still hide behind fences. We don't hide from God as much. You know, we'll come to this building and we'll sing songs on a Sunday morning. We'll 
play games with the children. We'll uh, sometimes eat together. We'll smile and say everything's okay, everything's great, everything's fine. But we do it behind fences. We don't let people see the real us. We don't let people see the real me. You don't let people see the real you. The real person living in the backyard. You know, Jesus crashed the fence, and yet what do we do? We pick up the wood, and we start building fences again. But not between us and God, but we build fences between one another. You know, we, we want people to see only the pretty parts of our yard. We want people to see the front yard. I want you to see the nicely manicured lawn. I want you to see the, the well-kept bushes and trees. I, wa- I want you to see the welcome mat. I don't want you to use it, but I want you to see it. I want, you to put on, I want to put on the appearance that everything is fine. Everything is excellent. Everything is great. Everything is awesome. But it's not. But it's not. We are so good at building fences and walls and, when letting on, and only letting people see what we want them to see. But we need to love one another. See, that's what the church is all about. Loving the church. I love my church. How many of you signed up for a wristband? They'll be in next week. If you haven't, you can stop at the information station after church this morning, after worship this morning, and sign up for your I Love My Church wristband. They're a dollar. Just give me a buck and we'll give you a wristband um, next week. But, uh, you know, when it comes to loving the church, when it comes to loving God's people and loving one another and encouraging each other and loving one another, uh, it can't happen behind a fence. We have to intentionally love our church, to love our church family. It means we have to live in community. And in community, there can be no fences. We've got to tear down the fences. We've got to go deeper, deeper than a Sunday morning, uh, deeper than just seeing each other on Sunday morning. Verse 25 is the perfect solution. This is what verse 25 says. It says, Let, uh, not forsaking our own assembling together. Not forsaking our own assembling together. Now, a lot of pastors use that verse about not, a, not forsaking assembling together or do not give up meeting together as a guilt trip to try and get people to come to church every week. Well, the Bible says you got to go to church every week. It says do not forsake getting together. Do not give up meeting together. Do not forsake the assembling together. But it means so much more than just sitting in a pew on a Sunday morning, listening to some guy on the stage or singing a few songs. It's so much more than that. It's to go deeper in relationships. It's to go deeper with one another, to go below the surface, to get real with one another. And I just scared half of you. And the other half of you are like, why are you scared? Wait a minute, you want me to what? And now you're all scared. To be real with one another. To be authentic with one another. To let somebody see the backyard. Second blank on your outline is allow others into your yard. Allow others into your yard. How many of you remember the show Home Improvement? What was the what was the neighbor's name? Wilson, right? This guy. You know, and here's the thing. Next door neighbor to the Taylors for years, and yet they never saw more than this. Heidi Ho, neighbor. Right? They never saw more than that. You never saw more than this much of Wilson's face. A lot of times we're like that in the church. We're hiding behind fences. And we don't let anybody see anything more than this. 
Howdy ho, church. We're scared. We're scared to tear down the fence. We're scared to let people into the backyard. We want to keep them at an arm's distance. We don't want people to get real with us. And we don't want to get real with them. So we keep the fence up. You know, we'll, we'll sit in the pews with people each and every week. We'll study the Bible together. We'll enjoy studies with one another. We'll sit across each other from each other at a potluck. But we never go deep. We never get into deep relationships with one another. We only get a glimpse of each other's lives from behind our fences. I wonder what's going on over there. I wonder what's going on in their lives. Well, I don't want to let them know what's going on in mine. So we hide behind fences. We don't want people to see what's really going on. If we are going to experience church the way that God intended, we can't live behind fences. We need to truly love the church. And that means we need to truly love the people in our church family. And it doesn't mean that we all become super extroverts. Okay? It doesn't mean you become like me and just like, hey, how you doing? I'm Sean. <laughs> That may not be you, and that's okay. But it means that we don't live in isolation. How many remember the Simon and Garfunkel song? I am a rock. I am an... First service gave me the island. Second service tried. To live in community, to love each other as God intended means that we can't live in isolation. It means that we need to stand in someone's yard. It means you got to let someone in your yard. It means i got to let you in my yard, and you got to let me in yours. It means that you stand in someone else's yard, and you enjoy the company. That's the next blank on your outline. The last blank on your outline is enjoy the company. Imagine a kid's birthday party. Okay, You go to this kid's birthday party, and you walk in, and there's no music, no clown. Some of you are thinking... Thank heavens for that, if you're not a big fan of clowns. There's no clown, no pin the tail on the donkey, no face painting, no bounce house. All there is is just a plain bag of Lay's potato chips, unsalted. <laughs> and some weak grape Kool-Aid. I'm not like talking that deep purple Kool-Aid. I'm talking like that see-through, like a little bit of purple Kool-Aid. And that's it. No one's having any fun. It's just a really boring birthday party. And you're thinking to yourself, man, they didn't even try. They didn't even try. This is the lamest party ever. No game. It's nothing. In Hebrews 10.24, the author of Hebrews says this. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good and good deeds. That word consider means to contemplate or strategize. To strategize. Think of it as planning for a successful party. We have uh, each year done a, a big birthday party for our son. Okay? And it frustrates me to no end. <laughs> I will tell you this. And it frustrates me to no end because she wants to do all this stuff and she plans for, for weeks and months and 
I tell you what, my wife is amazing. Because she juggles all these balls in the air, and she puts on a, a rockin' party for like tons of kids, and they have so much fun, and they have such a blast. And you know what I do? I sit in the corner going, I hate every minute of this. <laughs> That's my backyard right there, okay? That's my backyard. I get so... I get so nerve-wracked. I, I just, I watch all these kids run all over the place because it's usually here in the fellowship hall and they're like running here and there. They're running upstairs and I'm like losing my mind going, <laughs> kids, they're going to do this. They're going to get into that. They're going to break this. And I got to clean this later. That'd be nuts. But she does it with grace and, and just, she loves every minute of it. And I tell you, who else loves it? My son loves it. And it's because of, Weeks and months of planning and hard work. You know what? That kind of hard work, that kind of intentionality, that kind of strategizing is what it takes to live in each other's yards. Because it doesn't come natural and it doesn't come easy. To encourage one another to love and good deeds, it's more than just programming and it's more than just sermons. It's more than just sitting in a pew it's seeing beyond the walls and the fences and offering to uh, paint a shed, to pull the weeds, to babysit the kids, to bring a meal in times of crisis, to have a go-to person, a couple of go-to numbers in your cell phone when you're facing a crisis and say, I, I need your help. And you pull up that number and you go, I need your help. I need to talk. I need to vent. Or my car just broke down at Ridge and Klein and I need help. It's knowing who to call when you want to go on a double date. Hey, would you guys like to go out? We'd love to go out and have a, and have a, go to dinner and a movie with you. It's inviting somebody over for dinner. It's teaming up and working together on a work day like we're probably going to have coming up before Easter here at uh, Spring Cleanup Day. It's enjoying one another and serving Jesus with one another. It's being part of a family. I, um, I sometimes put in some hours. I work over at the funeral home. Uh, over at White's Funeral Home with visitations. I help out with visitations there. And uh, it, it, it amazes me sometimes to see families in such a, a difficult time in their lives, and they're fighting. They're fighting over things. And, and I've seen different visitations where uh, one family will be over here, one part of the family's over here, one part of the family's over there. And they're all grieving, but they're not doing it together. They're in pain, but they're not helping each other. They hurt, and they're not loving each other. They're separated and isolated. And it should never be that way in the church. That when somebody is going through something, when somebody is having a difficult day, when someone's having a difficult life, when someone is in pain and they are hurting, they shouldn't be sitting over here isolated from everyone else. They need you. They need your love. They need your encouragement. I need your love. You need my love. We need to encourage one another and love each other in those difficult days, in those hard moments, in those tough times. And these things don't happen automatically. We have to consider and contemplate and strategize how we are going to make these things happen. And I have three suggestions. First suggestion is this. Have healthy expectations. A lot of times in the church we'll have unhealthy expectations. That everyone has to know everyone. I have to, I got to know everybody. I got to know everyone in the yearbook. All right, I got to know everyone. It's not realistic. Healthy is, a healthy expectation is, I can build some deep connections within the church. And I can have some great friendships with some, with some people. 
and I can have some deep relationships with only a few. But they all take time, and you have to have a healthy goal in mind. You have to have healthy expectations of your relationships in the church. The second suggestion is to realize that baby steps are okay. You're not going to have everybody over in your backyard the first day you meet them. Could you imagine sitting on your front porch and somebody walks down the street, hey, you want to have a barbecue? I don't even know you. No, I'm, I got steaks on the grill. You want to come back and eat a steak? Dude, uh, no. Uh, it's not going to happen that way. Okay, you're not going to have everybody over to the backyard the first day you meet them. When, you, when they walk in the door like a first-time guest, and you're like, hi, let me tell you about my crazy life. Okay, let me go find another church. It doesn't happen that way. Baby steps are okay. You know, you could start out by hanging out in the front yard. Hey, how you doing? Good. Life is good. Good. Is it really good? I mean, you feel it? Yeah, it's okay. You know, you hang out in the front yard for a little bit, and then, then maybe you have them in the living room couple of times hey come on over you know let's watch the game together you know baseball season's getting ready to start i don't mind being bored for three hours <laughs> come on over we'll watch the game together and then finally you invite him into the backyard hey let's have a barbecue let's sit around the fire pit together let's let's have some fun together let's get together you know it, it takes time and that's okay you know, and you're not going to let everyone in. Again, get back to that healthy expectations. You're not going to let everyone in to your backyard, everyone into your life. You gotta, but you've got to work on letting some people in at some point. Because the Bible tells us that as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another, that we can sharpen each other when we're in relationship. I believe that true discipleship takes place, uh, takes, uh, best takes place in relationship. When I'm invested in your life and you're invested in mine, and we're more than just buddies, but we're actually encouraging one another and, and spurning one another on to good works and to love Jesus and to become more like him. That happens in relationship. That happens when I sit down with you and go, how's it going? How's your walk with Jesus? How's your relationship with God? How can I help you with that? How can I pray for you? And then actually pray for that person and doing those things. The last suggestion is to take some ownership, to take some ownership. You see, this, this getting to know one another, this deep conne con connection, this deep community, this is everyone's job. It's not everyone else's job. It's everyone's job. If you're sitting in a pew waiting for people to come up and be your best friend, you're going to be waiting a long time. That's not how it works. To, uh, think back to Sesame Street. To have a friend, you've got to be a friend. Yeah, we're talking like Mr. Rogers stuff here, right? But if you are sitting in your seat waiting for everyone to come to you, you are sitting in the wrong spot. So ask yourself this question. On a scale of 1 to 10, how much effort am I putting in, uh, 1 being the least, 10 being the most, how much effort am I putting in to being a part of a community? How much effort am I putting into my relationships? And what can you do over the next couple of weeks or months to, to kind of kick that up a notch or two? My challenge for you today is to love your church, to know that Jesus has crashed the fence. He tears down fences. He tore down the fence between you and God and me and God, and he wants to tear down the fences that we have with one another. And let me tell you what, this is so hard to do. It is so hard to be real and authentic and genuine with people because we're afraid. 
let's face it, we're afraid. If you see the mess in my backyard, you see where uh, the, the grass isn't cut the way it should be, or you see the rusted out swing set, and you're going to be like, what's wrong with you? I'll tell you what's wrong with me. If you'll listen, and if you won't judge me, and if you won't condemn me, if you'll still let me be your pastor, see, that's the test. If you'll still let me be your fellow Christian, if you'll still let me be your fellow believer, if you'll still let me in your church, if you'll still let me in your life, then I will tell you. But if all you're going to do is judge me and hate me and condemn me and kick me out, fence time. We can't do that. We have to be honest and open and loving and accepting and welcoming, and we can't condemn. The Bible tells us, and Jesus said in John 3, 17, that the Son of Man came into the world not to condemn the world, but to save the world. He didn't come into the world to condemn the world. So if Jesus won't condemn you, which he won't, he said he won't. If Jesus won't condemn you, then neither will I. And neither should you. That's not the business that we're in. We are here to love each other, to love the church. And my goal, my prayer is that you would do that. And I have one last challenge for you to do tonight, and that is to come to our potluck tonight, 5.30 p.m. That's 5.30 in Sean language. Um, come tonight for our unashamed gathering and our potluck. Everybody's welcome. Come and enjoy a meal. Bring some food. Bring a side dish. Bring a bag of unsalted Lay's potato chips. That's fine. Whatever you want to do. But it's a great way to get to know some people. It's a great way to start building some relationships. Come and enjoy some fellowship and, and a good time together. Everybody's welcome. Come to get to know some new people. And get involved in the life of GFCC. Because when you do, I believe this, you will love your church.